fade in. You're listening to Let's Bogart. Please welcome your host, Daniel Williston. It's me, it's just me. <laughs> welcome, buds. You're listening to Let's Bogart, a recreational review podcast where we rate hits by fading out before we fade in. So whether you're here for the plot or the pot, we'll roll camera and roll joints and curate a pairing experience both celluloid and cannabinoid in nature. Buds, I'm so excited for this episode. I know I say that every week, but this week I'm uh, <laughs> I'm telling the truth finally for once. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm super excited, though, uh, about my guest and, and the stuff that we're doing today. Uh, let's get into it. We're doing Queen of the Damned, which is a horror drama released February 22nd, 2002. It was filmed in Victoria and Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia. Oh, my Australian friends are going to fucking kill me for that. Uh, it's a runtime of 101 minutes, and it's rated R in the U.S. and 14A in Canada. This is an Anne Rice novel that has been brought to uh, uh, fruition on the screen. Uh, and if we were going to do anything, if we're going to use any kind of strain to be able to look at uh, Akasha, the Queen of the Damned, we decided that we were going to use Canna Farm's Blue Widow. Uh, it is a hybrid, a true hybrid, that is a cross between Blueberry and White Widow, and it's grown in Hope, B.C. Uh, it was coming in at 18.2% THC, which is a, a, a pretty decent yield for them. Uh, uh, we're really excited about this strain, really excited about this movie, and I'm even more excited to talk about it with my favorite person on the face of this earth. Uh, so Daniel, why don't you tell us a little bit about who we have on the podcast today? She is a Dora-nominated actress, writer, musician, composer, producer, and podcaster hailing from Etobicoke, Ontario. Her audio drama podcast, On a Dark Cold Night, has won multiple Canadian podcast awards and continues producing and releasing weekly episodes, recently beginning its second season under the Sonar Podcast Network. She has a master's in theater and won acclaim in such plays as 52 Pickup, with the Howland Company and what was the name of that other show that you did? <laughs> Punk Rock? The Crows. What was the Punk Crows? Rock. Punk Rock! We're so excited to have her on the podcast today since she is a great movie watcher and a great weed smoker. Please welcome <laughs> to the podcast, Kristen Zaza. Kristen, thank you for being on the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so how are you today? I'm doing okay. I'm yeah. having a good day. Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Now, for, for anyone listening at home, we do want to be honest on this podcast. We this must be. This is a podcast be. that is full of honesty. Yeah. And so with that in mind, we do have to admit to everyone that we are, in fact, engaged. Yep. <laughs> so... If that's uh, worrisome to you, if you feel that I'm going to be treating <laughs> Kristen differently because we're engaged, then I would treat any other guest who would come on the program. Yeah. Um, write us write us in. Let's Bogart at gmail.com and uh, uh, let us know. And we'll refuse to have uh, further fiancés on the program. Yeah. 
this is this is your one chance to have your fiance on your on your program that's right better make it good better make it worthwhile okay Kristen, tell us something the people at home want to know what is your favorite weed moment that you've ever had my favorite weed moment all the weed moments you've had in your life (laughs) what is your absolute favorite huh um, I have to say it's it's maybe not the most like exciting one, but it was really exciting for me. Uh, I was like, I don't know, 19 or 20 and like really jaded with like movies and 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 uh, maybe even just the experience of smoking weed. Like I felt like I was kind of over it. And I got high one night and went to watch uh, Coppola's Dracula. Uh huh. And I remember being so critical of it and like so above it all, this masterpiece of a movie. (laughs) And then I sat down, I don't know what I smoked that night, but I sat down and watched it and every frame was gorgeous. I was like, what did I ever find fault in here? This is perfect. And I appreciated this piece of art on a deeper level than I'd ever experienced before it's maybe not like an exciting story to tell but it i i thought like it, it really brought back my appreciation of this film and yeah so you had like i know how much you love Coppola's dracula uh, yeah uh, the people at home have got to know that this is dracula is one of your favorite fictional characters yeah Coppola's dracula is maybe your favorite incarnation of the dracula story Maybe of the story. None um, of the person, yeah. Yeah, because I really liked the 1979 Frank Langella one. Sure. That one, I think, is really, really good. And that's a good retelling of the story, too. Yeah. I think so, the Coppola one is maybe more accurate to the book. Sure. Maybe. But even that one takes uh, uh, liberties to be oh, able yeah, to yeah, tell yeah. the story that he wanted to tell. Rather yeah, than for sure. the one that's in the book. So you loved it growing up, a bit, and then you started getting critical. What was the thing that was, like, tripping you up? What was the thing that was, that was grabbing your attention and saying, oh, maybe this isn't so great? I think maybe I had shown it to some people, and they laughed, like, a little too hard at Keanu Reeves and <laughs> Winona Ryder's accents. And, like, I think I, I felt like... I don't know. Someone in my life kind of jadedly, like, made a comment about how over the top the romance was and how like Dracula had no like I don't know he wasn't very evil he was like more about being in love and I was like yeah yeah you're right like Dracula should be like dark and evil and they added all this love stuff and they they did like like in the book he's he's a much worse guy <laughs> but like <laughs> is there um, any redeeming qualities to the, uh, Dracula Stoker wrote him um well-dressed, I guess. To be honest, well-dressed. I haven't really... <laughs> I ha- I haven't finished the book. You haven't finished the book ever? No. You love Dracula. I know. It's a dark secret I have. <laughs> but I know what happens. <laughs> I know yeah, all this you, you've stuff. You've seen the movie. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get what he's about. So what was, what was it about watching it uh, after having smoked up that really connected with you you just felt uh, like emotionally more dialed into the, the romance or what what it was they were trying to do no you know what i was paying attention i was paying more attention to things like the symbolism mm-hmm. was a lot clearer because uh, uh 
It's like I was noticing details I hadn't seen before that were very deliberately put there. And that happens to me a lot because movies kind of just wash over me and I don't <laughs> absorb too many details. I, I just let movies happen and I like the way they make me feel and that's what I take away. But I was like noticing every little detail. Um, and yeah, it's such a visual feast. So it was, it was great. That was amazing. Yeah, I loved when when I first started smoking weed really seriously. I loved going back to movies that I loved as a kid because yeah. that excitement that you get the first time you watch like an Indiana Jones or an E.T. or a like a Robin Hood or a Zorro movie, all the comic book movies that I loved growing up, like I I got a real kick out of being able to, to it felt like a roller coaster again like you were at a theme park yeah well i think that at the end of the day that's what mm, not uh, like i'm not going to go into the reasons why people you know would enjoy getting high like there's <laughs> sure, a myriad there's their a, own reasons yeah there's a myriad of reasons but i i think such a strong element is like trying to find that joy not not to be like you're chasing that perfect high or whatever right, the right, first right. high but that you're like i don't know we put on these movies hoping to have that feeling that we had seeing it the first time like you said or just yeah. experiencing things through a different a different lens you know and and getting back the the wonder of it and yeah wonder yeah yeah like weed and movies are good for that where you yeah. just get to take a minute to be like uh it's awesome that i get to be a part of this it's amazing yeah. that I get to be a part of this. I don't know. Is that that sense of wonder that you get like, man, if you if you like looking at your own palm while smoking this, just wait till you watch the Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much more exciting than a hand. <laughs> That's amazing. If you like this, you should see Citizen Kane, man. <laughs> you think your your fingernails great? <laughs> <laughs> Try looking at, I don't know, a Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie that we that we did today, you and I, yeah, um, was so Queen it's of not, the Damned. It's not Dracula. <laughs> it's not Dracula, We've but it's not a far long off. Time about Dracula. <laughs> Guess what? Has nothing to do with Dracula. Well, well, I would say that it has more in common with Dracula than most non-Dracula movies. It's almost like if you throw a dart at a wall, the likelihood that they're going to hit a vampire movie that you like is probably pretty high. What? If like I if throw you, if a dart at a wall, the okay, wall's so covered the wall with movies? wall is full of posters of movies that you like. And okay. the likelihood that they hit a vampire one is probably high because you have a lot of vampire ones on that wall. I see. On the wall of... Fine. Never mind. No, no, no. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I Don't get you it. placate me on my own <laughs> podcast. No, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched Queen of the Damned from 2002. Yeah. And what did we smoke while doing that? Blue Widow. Blue Widow from Canna Farms. Yeah. Now, do you, do you enjoy Blue Widow? What is your experience with Blue Widow? Yeah, I love it. It's uh, I, I, I don't um, tend to get that interested in strains and stuff, which I know is silly. Um, like, 
but but this one I've taken notice of every time, and so I started realizing like it's just the one that makes me feel the most taken care of. Sure. You know. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I feel that same way. Yeah, it's uh, very mellow and uh, I don't know, like trippy, but not in a scary way. <laughs> yeah, it's not intense. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a hybrid that uh, we've talked about it before, but it, it's a hybrid that sort of really, truly does have the best of both worlds. There's like a, a, a heady thing that happens because of the, the sativa elements of it. But there's a real relaxation and body mellow that comes along with the, the heady mental effects. Mm-hmm. So I, we, I, I've always found it a great one to wind down the day with. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a great one just before bed. Yeah. Well, the lineage is it's a cross between Blueberry and White Widow. Uh, I've, I've come across a lot of uh, uh, strains that have Blueberry as an ancestor. And I my system, my uh, endocannabinoid system, really, really likes whatever's in there. Because anytime mm. they cross Blueberry with something, I'm totally down. Cool. Mm. It's got five stars out of five on Leafly. Cool. Well, that's pretty pretty good. That's pretty good. That means everyone who smokes it pretty much likes it. All <laughs> well, caveat. Everyone who submits reviews on Leafly, the kind sure. of person that would smoke a strain and then go on and leave their review. That kind of person gives this strain five out of five. So Got it. <laughs> Great. Okay. It's got uh, blueberry sweet and spicy notes. Mm. And the the look of it, you actually see the blue and purple are pretty prominent in the in the actual nugs themselves, along with these really long orange hairs that are kind of tendrily. Ew. Ew. Ew, guy. <laughs> tendrils? I'm not smoking tendrils. Orange tendrils. <laughs> got rid of your tendrils. <laughs> Um, so the the terpenes that are involved in it, myrcene is the the most forward one. That's the earthy tasting and smelling uh, terpene that is the most common terpene defined in cannabis. Um, but the the major hitter I feel for this one is the terpeneline, which is uh, the herbal floral terpene found in apples and lilacs. Every time I smoke something that has a little bit of terpen- uh, terpeneline in it. I'm really relaxed, but I'm having a good time. The the feelings of like relaxation and euphoria are always uh, uh, kind of that. That's what it does to my system, anyway. Hmm. And there's also some pinene notes in that, which is the pine scented terpene found in rosemary and other herbs. Oh, I love rosemary. Do you love ro- rosemary? I do. I think. What do you like it's, most it's, about rosemary? It's very fragrant and very earthy, and um, I don't know. It just it reminds me of Thanksgiving. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's well, nice if one. you're looking for a strain to get you through Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> look no further than Blue Widow. Well, there's probably some other strains that Pinene is a bit more forward in, but it's still a good one. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to find a way 
when, when someone comes on who knows more than me, I really enjoy getting to like question them, but I, I'm feeling kind of didactic about this. Oh, the research uh, that I've done. How do I make it more interactive? Um, huh. I, I'm not sure. Um, I suppose that's a question I should ask myself. <laughs> I'm the, the team behind Let's Bogart. I don't think it's didactic. I'm listening. I just, I don't know anything about this stuff. So I'm just <laughs> like, wow, yeah. I'm well, just maybe, taking it in. Oh, fair enough. Wow. It'll, maybe it'll, uh, if, if you get... quiz me later, that's what you could do. You could ah. make me answer a trivia question about it later. See if that's I was listening. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that this episode. It's going to be great. Uh -huh. <laughs> so speaking of games and interactivity, yeah, we're coming up to our first game. Are you ready, Kristen? Yeah. <laughs> this game is called In It to Minute. In It to Minute. In It to Minute. That is where you have exactly one minute to tell the story of Queen of the Damned. Now, we're looking for a beginning, a middle, and an end. But you have to get it all in in one minute. So are you ready? Yeah, can I just, I just want to jump in first okay. by saying yeah, that, yeah. like, I've read the book, and obviously we're not going to pause to uh, discuss the differences. I just need no. everyone to know that, that I'm just going to do the best job I can with the film. We'll, we'll discuss the differences in the, in the next segment, but this no, one is just about the, the yeah, just the, the, the summary. For those who might be listening and uh, maybe didn't watch Queen of the Damned, just to catch everybody up. Got it. All right. You ready to go? Uh, yeah. Well, it doesn't matter because you're going. One minute and go. It's a minute. Okay, so uh, there's this handsome vampire named Lestat, um, and he comes out of the grave to the world, and, and he forms a band, a metal band, and the band draws the attention of this ancient queen of the vampires, Akasha, who uh, comes and uh, destroys them all, and he has a concert, and then he um, he kills her, she, she evaporates, and uh, there's a statue. Wow. Oh, you did it. I had more time, did I? Yeah, you got 26 seconds. Oh, there's good music, and uh, <laughs> Vincent Perez is a great guy who plays Marius. And it's He's a great fun. guy, a real chum. He's just a good friend. Real mensch, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, he probably is. Yeah. Anyway. I, I mean, I assume so. Five yeah. seconds. Anything you want to say about it? Love it. <laughs> and that's a minute. It's a minute. <laughs> oh, don't go anywhere. We're going to be back to talk about Queen of the Damned with Kristen Zaza on Let's Bogart. Don't go anywhere. Woo. Hey, buds. We're just interrupting the show for just a minute while we tell you a little bit about something that we find very important over here at Let's Bogart, and that is the works that's being done by CannabisAmnesty.ca right now. I'm going to take a second and just read straight from their website. Since its creation, the Campaign for Cannabis Amnesty has been fighting to persuade the federal government that legalization of cannabis is not enough. Justice requires that legislation be passed to undo the harms caused by the criminalization of cannabis possession and its enforcement, which disproportionately targeted black, indigenous, and vulnerable members of society. 
People with simple possession records should be put in the same position as those people who did the exact same thing, but because of factors that have no bearing on their degree of responsibility, such as the level of policing in their immediate neighborhood, access to resources, family connections, and privilege, were never charged or convicted. Our campaign launched on May 5th, 2018, with a petition asking the government to issue blanket pardons to all individuals for the offense of simple possession of cannabis. Our petition was signed by over 10,000 Canadians. With the coming into force of Bill C-93, the government has provided a way for individuals to apply for an expedited record suspension without having to pay the $631 application fee. While this is an important step towards fixing the harms and removing the stigma caused by our government's historical prohibition on cannabis, Bill C-93 does not meet our standard for fair and effective cannabis amnesty. Bill C-93 does not provide for the automatic expungement of criminal records relating to cannabis. It requires an application. We know from previous experience that where the government institutes an application-based pardons regime, the uptake and participation from affected communities is extremely low. Bill C-93 only calls for the suspension, not the expungement, permanent deletion of records upon successful application. These records will continue to exist. Bill C-93 also waives the $631 application fee, but people will still be required to pay to obtain documents needed to complete their application, including their certified criminal record from the RCMP and any supporting documents from the police of jurisdiction. In many cases, these costs are prohibitive and constitute a significant barrier to access. The fight for true cannabis amnesty is not over. Despite the passage of this legislation, people across the country will continue to be limited by cannabis-related criminal convictions. The campaign for cannabis amnesty remains committed to achieving justice and equity for them. So, uh, don't want to bring anything down. I just want to let you know that maybe uh, we should all go visit this website. There's some petitions to sign. There's uh, uh, um, stuff to be done. I'd love us all to to do our part, and while we're having fun uh, smoking weed and watching movies, we're also uh, realizing the uh, the responsibility that that comes with. Uh, so thanks so much for joining me today, and I'm excited to get back to the conversation. But uh, uh, just make me a promise that you'll you'll go check out that that website, cannabisamnesty.ca. It's really worthwhile. Let's get involved. All right, so Kristen, what did you think about Queen of the Damned? When was the, what, uh, did you see this movie when it came out? I didn't see it in the theaters. No, um, I remember it was like when I had just started getting into horror movies, like you know the age where you're like having sleepovers and like maybe like eleven, twelve, something like that, sure. where you're like starting to realize you can rent scary movies and like and some you, friends parents don't care if it's rated r or not so you go over to that person's yeah. house yeah yeah and like i think i was probably that person um because <laughs> my parents didn't didn't care so uh i think like yeah i remember at one of those parties renting um the sweetest thing with cameron diaz and uh-huh. we didn't understand so much there was like a lot of adult sex scenes that now i'm like oh i see and i only saw it the once but it stuck with me because i didn't understand it anyway so queen of the damned was like after i think the ring uh-huh is that right does that yeah, scan uh, around the same time yeah 2001 2002 yeah so like we the the thing the cool thing was to see the ring 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who saw the ring? Because it was so scary. <laughs> um, and then one time we rented Queen of the Damned because someone was like, it's a horror movie and it has Aaliyah. So we were like really <laughs> excited. And a kid's dream. Yeah. And all I remember is nobody was paying attention. Um, except for when she like burns the bar down and takes out the guy's heart and eats it. Sure. Cause they were like, ew, like that was the <laughs> scariest scene, which it isn't scary really, but like it's scary, but in a cool, impactful way. I don't know. Sure. Meanwhile, I was like, what is this magical thing? Like <laughs> I was glued to the screen and I thought it was amazing. Um, yeah. I think I think I saw it before I saw Interview with the Vampire. Oh, interesting. So it I was could your be wrong. introduction I, to Anne Rice? Yeah, I didn't even really like know it was based on an Anne Rice novel. I hadn't oh. read it yet. And then um, I think what happened was, I don't know how I found Interview with the Vampire, but I rented it on VHS. And then his name was Lestat. So I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Like, who is this guy that we should have two movies about him? Um, and then I read the books. I think sure. that's the order I did it in. Queen of the Damned interview, then read all the books. Yeah, I had seen Interview already because it it, uh, it had come out uh, like 90. What was Interview with the Vampire? Like early 90s, right? Yeah. But you're also like three years older than me, That's which is true. critical yeah, yeah. So difference I, at that time. It was more in my, my line of <clears throat> trying to watch movies and knowing that that one was, was out and about. And then that was what got me into the books. So I had already had a bit of a an Anne Rice introduction before I heard that Queen of the Damned was coming out. And mm. I was head over heels in love with <laughs> Corn. Uh, whose lead singer Jonathan Davis, along with the composer Richard Gibbs, provides all of the score and uh, uh, heavy metal songs for Lestat's band in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it Did has you... a great soundtrack. Oh, the soundtrack is awesome. The songs that they came up with and having like a heavy metal guy and a composer guy working together, like there was this... Really, kind of yeah. interesting, and having the, the this like plaintive, sorrowful, yeah, eerie, violin. like preternatural sound. It's yeah. it's hard to now. Just for <laughs> I feel like we should again be honest with the listeners about this topic of how awesome the soundtrack to Queen of the Damned is comes up like <laughs> once a week in our household. Once, a, come on, not once a week, at least but once often. a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you I, can't argue well, that you're like yeah it, it comes up once a month it's probably sure. once a month yeah because <laughs> we both know most of the words to some of the songs and yeah. the soundtrack was uh was big now it's had you had you when, when you saw queen of the damned had you heard of any of those bands that uh, uh came out of that soundtrack mm, only marilyn manson sure and uh yeah, I liked I liked him because I knew like it was a crazy thing for like a twelve year old to say <laughs> for like maybe thirteen. I Manson. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, Love yeah. It. I was a yeah I was a huge fan 
of of a bunch of the artists that happened. So in the in the soundtrack that was released by who was it? Columbia Records or Warner Warner Records. So Warner Brothers uh, does the movie, so they get to release the record. And Jonathan Davis's voice, the the uh, the band guy from Corn, his voice is Lestat's voice in the movie. Yeah, like they they decided to make that his preternatural voice, whatever. But he couldn't appear on the Warner Brothers record because his band's record label Interscope wouldn't allow it. So he had to, he was given the task of finding other bands that were signed to Warner's to be able to come in and provide vocals for all the, what is it, six songs that uh, that he and Richard Gibbs wrote for the movie. So you mm-hmm. get like Wayne Static from Static X, Chester Bennington from Linkin Park, um, the, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the dude from Orgy, uh, Marilyn Manson does a track. Who else? There's some other people too, but yeah, yeah you got a bunch of like other <clears throat> metal artists to come in and interpret <laughs> Jonathan Davis melodies. Which oh, David Draymond from Disturbed. That's my favorite mm-hmm. one. How could I forget? Yeah, what it was a, it was an interesting experiment for them to to have it released like that. Cool. What did who? What song was David Draymond? Uh, Forsaken. Really. Yeah, that's David Dreamin'. Oh, cool. Yeah. Shows what I know. <laughs> and his, I think, is maybe the only one that is improved by having not Jonathan Davis do it. Because he's he's a much more <laughs> melodically exacting singer yeah. than Jonathan Davis is. Jonathan Davis kind of gets to get away with like... <laughs> <laughs> Because of what he does. Uh, but David Draymond is very like a laser on it. And oh, mm. it's super cool. Hearing him yeah. do the like octave parts too. They really do get across this idea that this is like a vampire. Like he's otherworldly when he sings. Yeah. He's got uh, like octaves coming out of his mouth. He can play like super fast on a violin and shit. And yeah, I think they, that is maybe the, the crowning achievement of this movie. Yeah, um, I I think so. I think that's that's definitely the focus is on is on getting out these like um, goth metal sequences and songs. Um, <laughs> yeah, and but Aaliyah uh, too. Aaliyah's performance. Yeah, I was gonna say she is definitely like a huge strength in the film. She's so yeah. good, and I think Vincent Perez. I think Stuart Townsend. Like I I think the the way they. The universe is good. The universe is good, guys. Um, <laughs> they get the universe okay, not great. You know, like they're some of it's kind of silly. <laughs> there, there's some silly vampire stuff. Yeah, there, yeah, but it still has a place in my heart. That's my point. <laughs> we we talked about this while we were watching it because we got to watch mm-hmm. it together because we're quarantining together. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the there is a lot of like for Lestat. He, uh, Stuart Townsend is either being asked to or is creating a lot of like vampiring around, like yeah, doing vampiring what, about the place. Yeah, the, and like what what you were saying, I think, was so cogent at the time, which was that Lestat is not that guy. Yeah, yeah, he. Uh, 
the the charm of him is that he's not a brooding like emotionally torn guy he he's fun you know and he's like a ray of light even though he's you know a terrible creature of of darkness despite that or because of it you know what i mean there's this joy about him and this interpretation of lestat is decidedly unjoyful yeah he's not really a villain hey because i think about like watching like heath ledger as the joker yeah the the kind of the obviously he's a terrible person you don't approve of the things that he's doing but it's so much fun to watch him do those things he's charming and that's the thing that gets you is that you're like i love him (laughs) i know he's bad and wrong and this horrible villain but like you you just want to watch him yeah do anything yeah and yeah i think that's that's what i mean are is listat a villain is he an anti-hero is he a hero it's you know it varies from book to book um but i think interview with the vampire the film did a great job of making him a villain but um keeping the fun but also showing us his side of things you know what i mean like like yeah it was so good you understand his perspective they spend enough time um starting out figuring out what he believes and then watching him put that into practice is interesting and fun especially because it's set it creates uh an antagonist relationship with our protagonist in that which is louis yeah there is something that i think was so exciting about having lestat not be the protagonist of your story because yes he's he's not like you were saying he's not tortured like he's not a guy who's sitting around thinking about like oh shit what have i done i've killed a bunch of people like he revels in it yeah well and and like like he refuses to be um like like deflated by anything you know or or to have anyone tell him that his his life isn't as amazing as he wants it to be until um he does have a big crisis which does happen at one point where he like you know feels remorse and terror for the things that he's done and uh and then he's like catatonic for decades or something or mm-hmm. at least years you know what i mean like he right. he he's completely stopped by it when it finally does catch up with him and the but he's such a complex character in the books you know like and he goes through all that soul searching in stories that aren't in these films you know right he goes through that in another book so in that sense he is great as not our main character because he you can see that there's something really complicated going on with this guy Mm -hmm. but you don't have to know what it is you know yeah, and when they try to show what it is in this one, I think they mess it up because he's... Oh, yeah. It's not, they oversimplify. He, oh, really? Over, because they're combining... This is based on the book Queen of the Damned, but it's also based on the vampire Lestat, which are two A little books. bit. A little bit. And a they change a lot of what they were getting in. Like, they took the Marius section, I think, of... Right. ...of, uh, of the, the vampire, vampire Lestat. Lestat. Yeah. And... They completely re rewrote, reconfigured that story anyway. 
Right. You know, and, and I see why they needed to. I see what they changed and how they simplified it, right? They can't mm-hmm. tell that entire book in a flashback. Of course. Oh, excuse me. But, um, so like, you know, they did a noble job. It's just, it's it's hard to compare, to compare, you know, or, or to, to watch it when you know what it could be or what sure. it could be. Which, uh, uh, um, the the interview with the vampire showed us like Tom Cruise and uh, uh, the director of interview. What's, what's Neil Jordan? Neil Jordan. What they did together really like maybe didn't reach the heights that Anne Rice was able to with many volumes of books uh, with that character. But I don't know. You don't think so? No. Well, I think you that think better in the movie than not better, not better, oh. but like. F- you couldn't possibly get across the entire character, like his his arc over several novels. Nor would you want to, because some of the later ones go a little bit strange. Yeah, um, sure. But like, uh, what was I going to say? But like, for an interpretation of first of all, just Lestat from Interview with the Vampire, the first mm-hmm. novel, mm-hmm. like it does a great job. It does, a, and you're interested in him. He's certainly the most fascinating part of the movie. That's true. You want to learn more. And that's, I think, all it can seek to accomplish with one film. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Sorry, but I didn't mean to interrupt. It, no, it, it no, is no. like, a, yeah, fantastic yeah. Um, characterization. And the books are also great. Um, the budget for this movie was $35 million estimated. <sighs> Um, if you had to take a guess what the opening weekend, what they made in, domestically, what would it be? I don't really know anything about these kind of numbers. I don't oh, sure. know what's typical. So I will take a stab at the at this sure. in the dark <laughs> um, and say huh, f- five million. Oh, well, they made a little more than that. They made 14 million domestically. Okay. Gross. Is that considered good or bad? Um, for opening weekend, not great. Well, maybe back in two thousand two, it's okay. It's still not excellent. You, you're hoping to make back as much as you can off the the first. It's weekend. over half the half the budget. Yeah. So I don't. And know. they made thirty million gross domestically over the whole run, and right. worldwide they made forty five. So technically, this movie was a success. Okay. Okay. No, a, a modest success, but a success nonetheless. It, it should have been. It should have been. Yeah, I think so. I think there's enough going on in there. Again, like Aaliyah's performance. Yeah. She was so young when she died. And the other movies that she had done, she she was in uh, uh, Romeo Must Die. You remember that movie? Who was she in that? She was like the, the girl in it, wasn't she? Jet Li oh. was the dude. Oh, I haven't. Oh, you know what? I always confuse it with Romeo is bleeding. Romeo is bleeding. Um, I have not seen Romeo Must Die. Sure. But uh, but she, she was in that. Yeah, she was in that. And she was in um, that. That might have been it as an actor. Mm. Yeah, she was in a bunch of like music video stuff. But yeah, yeah of the movies that she did, she did this one. And then she immediately did uh, Queen of the Damned and... She would have, yeah, she would have gone on really far. Oh, man, it was such a good performance. And given so little in the script, like, to to be that young and that able to not only come up with 
whatever it is that she's doing in her head oh, but like the movement so of it is so crazy and out there and and she really does seem ancient like really you know she doesn't seem her age no and and i think that's really like i don't know that's very cool she's, she's able very to dominate good. scenes with people who are decades her senior with experience and like acclaimed actors yeah 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 but I guess she'd been on stage. She was she was she was a dancer and she was a singer and she had been, you know, uh, uh, gotten a successful career as an, you know, an artist. Yeah. So I guess there's some amount of power that probably comes with that that allows you to tap into something on the day of filming <laughs> that allows you to come up with that. For sure. For sure. What else about the movie? Did you hate anything about the movie? Mm. Uh, I. I don't care for the interpretation of Jessie. Oh, sure. Um, I think she is <laughs> miscast. Um, <laughs> I don't know the woman personally. <laughs> <laughs> but you hate her. No, no, no. I don't like saying, like, she's terrible. Because, like, who am I to judge someone's performance in anything, you know? And maybe it was the direction. Her costume sure. design was weird. <laughs> like... <laughs> And she does sound like she's in a completely different movie. She sounds she like sounds, she's yeah. on the set of Degrassi or something. Exactly. And everyone else is trying to elevate. Or like Stuart Townsend gets like it's a vampire movie. Vincent Perez is like, I just always turn out a great performance. Sure. Aaliyah is like, I'm the fucking queen of the vampires. Like she's, I'm going to show y'all something you've never seen before. Yeah, she's blowing us out of the park. Lena Olin, this is just every Tuesday for her, has come out, turned out an amazing performance. <laughs> Meanwhile, Marguerite Moreau kind of shows up, and it's just... Is it that she's the only... No, I was going to say, is she the only American? But no. Aaliyah. Yeah. You and know? Aaliyah got it. Aaliyah got it. I mean, I know she she got to play the Queen of the Damned, but like yeah, and the part of Jesse is the like the civilian yeah, that gets exactly. brought into the the fold. But exactly, it's like watching. Well, you were talking about like Keanu Reeves in uh, in in Dracula, Bram where, Dracula, where you're like, I'm so sorry, but it's still Bill and Ted for me. Like, <laughs> I break out of your shell and work on it and everything. I'm not saying you shouldn't get the opportunity to try, but sure. it's. Uh, I don't know. So she, she, I'm not sure. Um, some of the, I'm, I think some of the plot changes or some of the plot changes. I don't. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> like, when they some of the stuff the plot is weird. Me, suddenly, I wasn't able to follow it anymore. <laughs> well, listen, like the moment where she's like, "Make me a vampire," and yeah. you're like, "Well, why though?" Is she like they met once, and she's like, "I love you, make you make me a vampire." Yeah. So he flies her to a park where a pregnant lady is getting attacked by a vampire. He fights off that vampire, and Marguerite Rose like, "Phew, you really saved her from that," and then he kills her. <laughs> And she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then he says, this is what it is. This is what it is to be a vampire. You want to be like me? And he's all tortured. And I'm like, this is despicable. This scene is just dreadful. 
Like, yeah, it does seem like characters' motivations throughout <laughs> this entire movie change on a whim and he, yeah. have completely changed by the next time we see them in the movie. Like, the movie moves pretty fast, but <laughs> it forgets to provide any connective narrative tissue. Yeah. Well, and he's telling us, like, through his history and through sure. her reading his journal or whatever, that he, like, feels a lot of pain when he kills innocent mortal women but all he does in this movie is murder innocent mortal mortal women women. and he's like i hate myself and we're like have you ever tried killing someone else have you ever tried not (laughs) punching yourself in the face yeah yeah like you can the only person who can solve this problem is you (laughs) (laughs) and even marius is like i i didn't I didn't say kill her. Like, nobody <laughs> told him to do this. And and certainly you didn't have to pick an innocent pregnant lady who you sure. just saved. I don't know. It's it's all just very complicated. And you don't understand why he would do that. You or don't why understand why she. Yeah. Why did she fall in love with him? Why did he fall in love back? What's going on? <laughs> what's going on, guys? Yeah. What's going on emotionally with these people? <laughs> so. Who is this movie for? Like, who, who yeah. is the, 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 the demographic that is going to get the most out of this film? Yeah, that's a good question. Because I don't think it's Anne Rice fans. Because no. they would be like, what have you done? Right. Um, I, I think it was probably not far off from what I was. Which, you know, like, because I was saying I was probably like, what year was it? 2002? Yeah, so I was 12, or th- uh, probably by the time I saw it, 13. Yeah. Um, so it was probably aimed at, like, old, like older teenagers or early 20s, like, goth kids. Sure. Um, back then, I think goth was probably on the decline a little bit. Or, or in the 90s. It, you know what I mean? It was more of a 90s thing. Yeah. And now we're getting more into, like, punk and emo and sure. stuff. There's just, you know. So, like, I th- I think it's trying for that group. Like, probably not kids who read. Uh, like, but, okay, they can read. They can read. <laughs> if you can read, you're going to fucking hate this movie, man. <laughs> No, I love it. I do love this movie. I just mean, like, probably, they're not, it's it's not, like, it's not going after the nerds. It's going after the the like the heavy metal kids who are listening to Marilyn Manson and and Disturbed and Corn are never nerds. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That's what I'm, I'm saying. It's going more to the music crowd than to I, the yeah, book crowd. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Being one of those nerds, I I, uh, I I definitely think it was aimed at me. Well, you're a music nerd and. You were a book nerd. Yeah, sure. And horror so, nerd. So, yeah, you put exactly. all those together. Yeah. What do you got? If you had to guess what the Rotten Tomato score for this movie was, what would you say? Ooh, I would say 68. <laughs> that it's That's a bit high. Oh, <laughs> what is it? Babe, it is a 17% positive rating. <laughs> Every person. I'd give it a B plus. <laughs> B plus? That's a little high. I yeah, love a- this movie for how old I was when it came out and for how many like interest interests I had that intersected in this sure. movie. But even me, B plus, that's a little 
That's a I, Listen, Generous. it brought me a lot of joy. I watched <laughs> it lots and lots. I destroyed the DVD from watching it so much. Um, it had a, a positive effect on me. Sure. And uh, for that, I will say B+. <laughs> Fair enough. I know that wasn't the question. No, it's not a question. But uh, but we're glad to to have it. And if I need to put a question in, just let me let me put it in, and I'll edit it in later. Don't worry. Uh, Kristen, what uh, letter grade would you give this movie? I'll just throw that in before you answered it, and then it'll be great. A minus. <laughs> you can't go and change it now. A. Every time you. Every time you get back on it, I'm going to make the grade higher. <laughs> All right. It's time for another game. This is our okay. rapid fire round, which is being called Reefer Madness. Blaze of glory. That's not a final title. I'm, uh. I'm figuring out what the title is going to be, but it's going to be one one hitter question. No, Reefer Madness is better. I'll, I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Mm. Are you ready for this? Yeah. All right. Are you a sativa diva, an Indicana Jones, or a hybrid or dibrid? Uh, Indicana. No, I'm going to go hybrid dibrid. Hybrid dibrid. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite movie featuring cannabis? Oh. 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 I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble. Oh, I don't want to just say, I don't want to just say like Jane Silent Bob Strike Back because it's the first one I can think of. <laughs> but I know there's others. Yeah. Um, there's like Chi Chi Chong movies. There's like Dazed and Confused. There's. Can I put um, Penny Dreadful? Sure. She smokes weed in that. And I love Penny Dreadful. Does she really Dreadful. smoke weed? Who smokes weed in that? I think there's a, there, uh, Eva Green. Um, Oh. Later on, like, she, yeah, I'm pretty sure she smokes some weed. She fucking rolls a joint and just sparks her up and does some witchy shit. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. All right, fictional or real person you'd most want to smoke with? Ooh. Um. 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 Uh, my answer is always Mozart. So I'm just going to say Mozart. He'd be fun. <laughs> I think he would be a fun person to smoke weed with. He would. He was very silly at the best of times. Sure. Just roll up a joint at a harpsichord and let him show you some shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fictional or real place you'd most want to smoke? Oh, um, the highest mountain in... Um... Okay, so I'm going to go back on Mozart because I'm going to include oh. this here. Okay. Because uh, in Skyrim, you go up this huge mountain i don't remember what it's called it's like a dragon temple place or whatever sure and you go to the highest peak and you uh talk with parthrenax who's a big ancient dragon who's a nice dragon um so i'd want to smoke with parthrenax on top of that mountain looking at the northern lights sure in skyrim that's lovely that's a beautiful beautiful image yeah it is movie that would be improved if only the characters were smoking cannabis oh um, oh, I haven't seen Closer, but that's, it seems to be about four people who are very high strung. And so, 
I'm just going to say those. from closer smokes a little bit of weed. <laughs> I think they would a little easier on themselves and each other. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I think. I think, I think uh, if only those couples just took a breather. If they all just passed a joint around, they could like just open just up to each other. Out. This is what I'm feeling right now. I don't know where it's coming from, but. Yeah, that's I, all. I love that answer. That's fantastic. <laughs> Can you make the sound of your favorite cannabis consumption method? <sighs> yeah. Hang on. <laughs> you want me to go literal? <laughs> yeah, literal. Okay, hang on. And that's fantastic. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right, we're going to be right back with Kristen Saza to find out if she puffs or passes on Queen of the Damned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <sighs> and now it's time for a little segment called What Does My Mom Think? Where I ask my mom, Joan Williston, what does she think about all this shit? What does my mom think? Hi, Mom. Hi, Daniel. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How about you? I'm fantastic. Great. All right. So uh, uh, today on this episode, we looked at the movie Queen of the Damned. Mm-hmm. If you had to guess what what the movie was about, what would you say? Hmm. Queen of the Damned. Bad guys and good guys. <laughs> That's pretty fair. <laughs> there are some bad guys and definitely some good guys in it. <laughs> all right so what it's actually about is vampires oh okay. there's a vampire who comes back uh after being away for a long time and he becomes a musician and becomes a, a big rock star and then he because of his music he resurrects the oldest living vampire akasha who is the queen of the damned who comes to wreak havoc on both uh people and vampires alike does that sound like something that you would want to watch? Not in the least. <laughs> All right. So on the parental guide, uh, it says that uh, a non-graphic, no nudity scene between two vampires happens. They are together, both covered in rose petals. She rises from the water, indicating oral sex may have occurred. It also says a vampire rips out a person's heart from his chest and drinks blood from it. Several uses of the F word in song lyrics that mostly play in the background. And there's also some hell and bitches in the song lyrics. However, there is no profanity spoken in the character's dialogue at all. Uh, and this is very tame by today's standards. It includes some vampire violence, including some bloody gruesome images and sensuality. Does that make you want to see the movie more or less? just as much as I didn't want to see it when you named it, I still don't want to see it. Amazing. <laughs> and uh, what we smoked before we watched it was a strain called Blue Widow. Does that sound like something that you would try? Nope. <laughs> and uh, my guest for this episode was uh, my fiance, Kristen. So oh. would you be able to give one of your, if Kristen was walking into your house right now, how would you welcome her? Kristen, I can't believe you're here. I'm so excited. Come on in. Love it. And can you thank all my listeners for tuning in this week? 
Thank you, everyone, for tuning in once again this week. <laughs> You're amazing, Mom. Thanks so much for being on. You're welcome, Daniel. All right, Kristen Zaza. Yeah. Here's the moment everyone has been waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the mystery has been <laughs> yeah. really teased out. On the subject of Queen of the Damned. A plus. <laughs> Do you puff or pass on this movie? Puff or pass. Puff. Why? Um, <laughs> because I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, because because it makes me feel young. It makes me feel like there's magic in the world. There's vampires, and they wear a little too much makeup, but it's okay. Um, and uh, yeah, makeup was atrocious. In this yeah, they, the makeup was a bit much. Um, no, it's uh, it it tries hard, and it has. A lot going. I think it has more good than it has bad. I think Aaliyah's yeah. performance alone is a draw. Sure. And uh, given that I, th- I think it was her last like project, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah. I, I do think people like people should give the movie a chance, if only for that. Sure. That's that's what a treasure that that we have this performance to watch. You know. Yeah. Uh, she that. she really gave us a gave us a gift, and we shouldn't squander it. That's a pretty Is that solid cheesy? Argument. Is that no, cheesy? No, no, no. I think that's nice. I I agree. I, I think agree. She did I, a great job, and it's a shame to write it off just that's because right. it's a goth metal fantasy. Yeah, I I remember uh, reading about uh, Brandon Lee on the Crow, um, and them having like three quarters of the the film in the bag, and the filmmakers reaching out to his family to talk to say like, listen, we don't want to disrespect his memory. We know that this movie has a lot to do with life and death Mm -hmm. and the afterlife and stuff. So we Mm. don't want to do anything. And they all said, well, he was really, really proud of the work that he was doing in that film. So he would want people to see it. Of course. That was the reason they were able to go ahead and, and complete it Uh, uh, much in the same way that they did with queen of the damned because queen of the damned, they hadn't fully figured out yet. And so they had to use her brother did the voiceover, you know, did some, some, yeah, some lines in there with her. And it's really, it's really masterful what they do the way they, Mm -hmm. her voice is so cool in the movie. Um, and the fact that they collaborated with him to, to bring her performance out and let it shine was so mm-hmm. I don't know I do think I do think it's very beautiful and yeah. that's a beautiful story about Brandon Lee because yeah these these performers put themselves in this role of you course know? so they're doing the work they knew that people were going to be seeing it so they wanted to bring yeah. something of themselves to it yeah so do you think without without the without armed while not being armed with the nostalgia that you have for the movie uh-huh. and without knowing the history of Aaliyah behind it, sure. do you think people will enjoy this movie if they put it on and smoke some Blue Widow? Absolutely. Listen, <laughs> it's not boring, guys. Like, I don't know where Rotten Tomatoes is getting 16% from. 17. Oh, to well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know where that number is coming from because it's exciting it's visually appealing it's mm. musically appealing sure. it's full of action it's <laughs> full of romance <laughs> it's 
(laughs) (laughs) You know, I just, I think it's, I really do think it it was a labor of love on behalf of the people who made it. And I think that that shows. Um, That's fair. And yeah, cool bit of like early, of 2000s nostalgia. Like, even if you don't have that memory of this movie, you can watch it and be like, oh, remember those fishnets or whatever some of the styles are like you can you can enjoy the 2000s again for a minute yeah and if you like that that scene of metal too like i did growing up like if you listen to oh yeah corn and disturbed and marilyn manson and all of them to have to be not only listening to their music that comes in and out throughout but also be uh, it's like the 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 fashion and everything is very vampire but it's also like vampire metal like you're right in in the throes of that uh uh moment in rock history yeah yeah i like any movie too that has music and is about music sure that is always very pleasing to me and i think this one does that fairly well like it's not about the music itself he doesn't he doesn't talk about his composition method or anything no, like but, but it's, it's there you they really spend time listening to the songs and yeah. playing the songs more than once so that you get used to them you hear them and you hear how he might have caught the imagination of the the rock public yeah. with it yeah. yeah, I think they do a really good job. And I think it's an interesting experiment to bring in a rock star and have uh, a composer. The composer, Richard Gibbs, had worked on um, Pauly Shore's Son-in-Law and That Darn Cat oh. and Natural Born Killers. So he was kind of all over the place in terms of <laughs> what he could do as a composer for different sorts of films. And to hear the music that they created together, because what what John they asked Jonathan Davis to come in and from Corn to do the just the the songs, and he said, "I'll do it if you let me work with the composer as well." So the composer and him worked on the songs, and then both of them worked on the the composition as well for the orchestral portions Mm. of the movie so that they were both able to take inspiration from each other and inject it into the thing that they would normally do and i think it the the experiment pays off i think it's a really cool melding of the two musical disciplines Mm. yeah i think i think it definitely was effective Yeah. yeah all right i'm gonna give it a puff with the caveat that if you don't enjoy the style of music that it is, you 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 might not love the movie. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Aaliyah's performance, there's still real gems in this movie and moments yeah. that like almost work that would have been really cool if it, it, it had all come together. But it's still a lot of fun. And if you've seen it before, you probably have a little bit of 2002 nostalgia for it. So... Go check it out. It's fun. For sure. All right. If you had to, so somebody smokes some Blue Widow, they stub it out before they're fully done the joint, they come in, they watch Queen of the Damned, and they want to watch another movie right after because they're about to go take the rest of those puffs. What should they watch as a pairing with this movie for a double feature? Oh. Okay. 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 I think, um, uh, so again, in, uh, in the interest of being honest, <laughs> we originally were going to do the corpse bride, um, right. because I was like, oh, blue widow corpse bride makes sense. She's blue. She's dead. 
Um, so we recorded an episode of The Corpse Bride where I paired Corpse Bride with Queen of the Damned. Sure. And uh, the episode wasn't usable. So we were like, well, this yeah. is an easy, easy pick for the next one we'll do. That's true. Now, that being said, would I pair The Corpse Bride with, with Queen, Queen of the, of the Damned? Damned? And I don't think so. I think. <sighs> That's exciting. I think I want to go with with Interview with the Vampire. Well, yeah, Maybe. fair enough. Maybe. Because, simply because if you like Lestat, would you like some more Lestat? And uh, would you better like better Lestat? Lestat? Tom Cruise's Lestat is incredible. Yeah, it's so, expensive. you know, that's, um, that's one option. The other thing that I thought is maybe something that's like similar, like vampires and rock music, but perhaps a little bit of a better film in terms of like art sure. and stuff. Like Lost Boys, maybe? <laughs> No, well, the Lost Boys is a good one, um, but I was thinking of the Hunger with Catherine oh, Deneuve and David Bo- David Bowie, Susan Sarandon. Uh, there's some pretty cool use of like, I guess that was was that late '80s, early '90s. Uh, I don't know actually. When was the Hunger? I thought it was like right smack dab in the middle of the '80s. Mm, yeah, maybe mid to late '80s. Um, and so it it has a pretty good score. Same thing with with Lost Boys. Really, they're just like uh, Lost Boys. I just can't say is a better film. Sure, I would put it at the same level as Queen of the Damned, at least. Yeah. You know, yeah. And The Hunger is a, a much more quiet film. Like The Lost Boys would be if uh, keeping yes. the timber uh, about the same going through. But Hunger would be a much more intimate intimate movie. To, yeah, to come down to, which would be yeah like, maybe nice. So that's, yeah, I, th- I think Interview with the Vampire would be a little bit intense after Queen of the Damned. <laughs> you <laughs> you know? probably shouldn't do it the other way around, though. If you did Interview with the Vampire and then Queen of the Damned, Queen of the Damned <laughs> doesn't bode well to have that comparison right back to back. Yeah, but then again, if, you're, if, you've, if you've been, you know, smoking weed and you want to, like, <laughs> sure. have a more fun, crazy experience, be like, let's watch other Bizarro Universe Lestat. <laughs> then I say watch it after Interview with the Vampire. Fair enough. The Hunger was 1983. Oh, I was off. Yeah. Look at that. Well, amazing. Kristen, uh, yeah? was this a good pairing? Blue Widow and Queen of the Damned? Yeah, for sure. Did you have a good time? Yeah, both are huge sources of comfort for me. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a great night for Kristen, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, uh, uh, my love. I... Thank Love you for having, having you. me. Thank you for doing another episode after the <laughs> Corpse Bride one didn't go as we had planned. No um, problem. For all the people out there who are loving your voice, uh, where can they listen to your podcast and find you? You can listen to On a Dark Cold Night um, at kristenzaza.com slash podcast. You can find it on Apple, on Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Um, you can find me on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast, or on my Facebook or YouTube pages, just called on a dark cold night. Amazing. And since you're a wonderful composer, can you just uh, on the spot uh, improvise uh, an outro music for us right now? Okay. La da 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 do 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 da da. 
That's amazing. Was it good? <laughs> it was so good. People are going to love it. <laughs> That'll be $50. <laughs> well, buds, that's it. That's the show. Thanks again for tuning in. A uh, big thank you to my mom. You can't follow her anywhere because she is not online. A uh, big thank you to my friend J.J. Thompson, who did the theme music for the show. Uh, if you want to follow his musical exploits, you can follow him on Instagram at J.J. and his dog. Uh, big thank you to my guest, my beautiful fiance, Kristen Zaza. If you want to follow her podcast, she is on Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast and on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night. I believe she's also on Facebook. The podcast is called On a Dark Cold Night. Go give her a subscribe and a listen. And hey, while you're on your podcast app, why don't you give us a follow and a listen and a subscribe and a rate and review us. Everything like that really helps us uh, get this content out to the people who might want to tune in and and take an interest in it. Uh, So I really appreciate that. I hope you're enjoying the show. I certainly am enjoying doing it. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram at Let's Bogart, on Twitter at Let's Bogart, and on Facebook. And if you don't have any of those, you can always go to www.danielwilliston.com slash podcast. And there's a place there that you can send us messages and let us know what do you think of the show so far? Do you have a strain that you'd like us to do? Do you have a movie you'd like us to review? Do you just want to tell us about your experience? We want to hear all of that. So uh, uh, that's the places to go and get in touch with us. And next Thursday, we're going to have a a really exciting episode again. I know that they're all exciting. I need to buy a thesaurus. It's going to be an effervescent episode. And this episode was positively stunning. There we go. See, you just got to search for it. Thanks again for tuning in, buds. Have a great smoke. Enjoy a movie or two. And I'll see you next week when we can bogart once more. Because it's exciting, it's visually appealing, it's musically appealing, it's full of action, it's (laughs) full of romance, (laughs) it's, (laughs) you know, I just, I think it's, I really do think it, it was a labor of love on behalf of the people who made it, and I think that that shows.